With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduce speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is I Will Make You a Millionaire, another episode helping someone reach their goal of making millions. So, Paula, how has this past week or so been? What have you been up to? Things have been uh, pretty good. So, overall, in London, things are open now. The weather has been good, strangely enough. So, it's been good to go out. How's your creativity doing? Are you thinking about anything new? Have you started brainstorming on new stuff potentially? What I've been doing a lot is actually doing a lot of small steps to kind of complete the app I'm working on. So I kind of realized that, you know, getting, let's say, 90% of the way there is, you know, is a lot, but the last 10% is a whole lot as well. That uh, you kind of think, oh yeah, there's uh, I'm almost done, but there are so many small details that need to be thought of to get it to 100%. And I've been spending a lot of time doing those, at least uh, um, uh, starting. And it's actually interesting to see how many things needs to be done. Oh, so much. So the basic premise is that people get more Instagram followers if they comment actively on popular Instagram accounts than the people who follow those accounts tend to follow the first commenters on those accounts. So that is a true statement, right? However, that is not what my kind of strategy is addressed to. Instead of uh, wanting to catch the attention of people on big accounts, the uh, strategy is kind of to get the attention of smaller accounts just by commenting on their posts. Is there any other criteria like the account is growing? It's small, but it's growing fast. It depends, right? Because uh, in the end, what I've realized is that, so it may depend in kind of different communities and how the the niches work. But if I look, for example, at the, um, you know, niche of food Instagrammers in London, it's as if at least online, everyone knows each other. So you'd see that if someone posts a picture, then there's going to be the same people that always post on them. Right. So it's kind of uh, the, the more you do it on people, the more you get kind of, let's say, known in the community and the more people are going to do it for you as well. I've so, actually started talking with uh, a bunch of people because uh, kind of the next step I have now that I have the beta version almost done is to you know give it to a lot of uh, food people so that they can actually try it out and tell me what's uh, to be uh, improved. And it seems like, you know, most people spend uh, at least uh, half an hour a day just commenting. And not only that, I've been told that the, they all wish they didn't have to do it. 
and this is the low hanging fruit version of your app, right? So, yep. so basically, um, the app will look for accounts you're following, notify you when there's an account that just posted, and then give you a choice of a bunch of comments to make. So you just have to click and you've made a comment. That's kind of like that. Yes. Does it find the accounts for you that you should follow or do you put in the accounts that you should follow? No, it, it, it's just uh, used in the kind of your normal feed. I think those things can easily be manipulated in other ways, right? In the sense that if you really wanted people to come up, you can just uh, do it directly on Instagram. You can select to get a notification every time a, um, someone posts. Could you specify, I don't want to comment on these accounts, but I do want to comment on these accounts or is it comment everywhere? No, because uh, the way that the app work is that is a keyboard, which actually it's part of the benefits of it. So it's not a separated app. So you can use it while you're inside of Instagram. You couldn't otherwise use, we do with any other sort of app. They're not two separated entities. Uh, well, technically they are, right? But you can use it from inside there. So when you're inside of Instagram, instead of just uh, typing whatever comment it is, uh, you just switch to my keyboard, uh, type the name of the uh, you know food you want to write a comment for, and just pick one out of a big list. As far as I know, it's not possible to interact directly with the app. iOS is much stricter in the way you can interact with other apps as opposed to, for example, Android. Actually, I, I was going to send you the app, but uh, I've uploaded it uh, a couple of days ago and it's still in review. So I can actually use it myself as an internal tester, but not to external testers. And But they should be like approved in the, I was hoping today, but in the next couple of days. So then I can actually send it to you, you can have a look. So basically, if I get this app, I'm in Instagram yeah. and it'll give me the opportunity to post really quickly on, my, on the feed. Yes. I see. So I'm scrolling through the feed. If I want to post a comment, it gives me a bunch of choices. It gives you a lot of comments uh, and you choose, but they're all comments related to, you know, you have to, there's some sort of a uh, search field. And then the idea is you're going to save like 80% of the time that it takes to comment. Yes. And so when you talk to people about it and they're, and they've started using it, uh, what, uh, have they, have they, have you gotten any testimonials so far? I've uh, been talking with people like asking about well, what kind of comments are they uh, doing? How much time do they spend? How much do they like it, right? And it really seems that for a lot of people that are like trying to grow their account, uh, it actually, it's it's a chore. Commenting is a chore. So if you look, basically here, it's like different parts oh. of the ad, but the, the kind of use case, it's the the third part when it start, says, uh, start commenting, right? Yeah, I see. So, so, so I'm reading the tutorial right now. I'm looking at it right now. Um, this looks great. So, so really, yeah, the start commenting and those comments look great. Uh, and they, and it looks like yeah. you have a, enough variety that, um, uh, you could switch around. And so it was very interesting what we found out, uh, last time, which is that it's not so much the speed, it's almost how the cursor moves that Instagram's bot recognizer is able to tell whether this is a human or not. Oh yeah. I, I even have more information on that because I tried, you know, even more things. I think I hit the strictest test that Instagram can give. I don't know how that was possible. What I was asked, this was insane. I was asked to, from Instagram, like from the app, so not a scam or anything, to record a video of myself, of my face, turning my face left and right and up and down according to their directions so that they could test I was a person. Wow, so you they're really like... Yeah, they're on to me. <laughs> something's up with this guy. Well, you can yeah, help. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the flip side is this is of help to them because you're they want to stop bots and you're kind of at the cutting edge of what's oh, yeah. a bot. I'm just a, I'm like a security researcher basically, right? Doing them a favor. 
just to be clear, like you're 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 releasing the the human version where you know there's an advanced version that you've been working on where it randomly selects the comments and puts them on the feed as opposed to a human selecting which comment. So when the human selects which comment to put on the Instagram account, it takes 20% of the time to do the comments they would normally do. But yep. of course, if it's completely automated, it could be commenting all day and you could get out and you've generated, you know, over 10,000 followers very quickly on your food account using this. So let me ask you a question. Could you simulate human cursor movement with the app? Maybe actually there's a way to do it, but no, I, I've not done it. It would have been uh, too complicated at the moment. Any code for iOS or Android, you could specify where you want the cursor to be. And I'm wondering if you could just sort of move it smoothly, but randomly around the screen. And then when, and then when you're actually putting in the comment, you put it over the text entry box. I, I, I just wonder if they'll quote unquote catch you then. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that would be because I still think like the holy grail of this is to, and again, you know, some would question whether there should be a bot that does this, but I think it's very interesting if you can create a bot that does this. And oh, yeah. like I agree with you, launch the low hanging fruit, which is the kind of semi automated human version, and get testimonials, get comments, get people using your software, and so on. But I still think like the holy grail is to figure out how to beat the bot detector. Yeah, yeah, that definitely is. And and for like for a long time, I had it going right. Like I think I got it going like very well for four or five months. It was great. Could write maybe. I think I had four hundred likes a day, three hundred comments a day. Like I and I would do nothing. I would literally click a button in the morning, and that was just that. And how many how many friends would you get a day? It depends. It depends. Maybe I'd say around fifty. It's also all correlated with the, you know how much you interact and stuff like that. But uh, but yeah yeah yeah, that was good. Uh, on the other hand, now I'm kind of reaping the benefits because now the things have opened up. I still have restaurants asking me to go to uh, to eat for free, so that's what I've been doing. So that's that's been great, even without putting in too much effort at the moment. Describe the free restaurant thing again. Oh yeah, so uh, basically the idea is that the Instagram account is large enough, and uh, I post reasonably good uh, uh, pictures. That uh, every so often, basically a restaurant would find the account and say they kind of want to some let's say advertising, and would ask me, "Oh, would you like to come have uh, dinner with us?" And then you just uh, write a review, and that's it. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. Every so often, I get you know, uh, either emails or messages from Instagram and say some restaurant that says, uh, oh, we like your account. We like your photos. Would you like to come have a, a dinner? And then I just do it. So, so restaurants actively pursue local food Instagrammers to um, seek them out. Yeah. So you're like a local food Instagrammer in London with over 10,000 followers. And so they seek you out. You don't kind of, you didn't initially post on their site or any on their Instagram or anything. No, no, no. Most, most of the time I don't do it. Like sometimes I do it because I, I tried to, I think I told you that at some point I wrote some code that would uh, uh, scrape all of Deliveroo and find all the restaurants that deliver at my place and just yeah. send them messages. But then I did it for fun. I just wanted to see if I could do it. So, and that would work very well. But uh, and I'm also keep in mind that my account is fairly uh, small for what it is, but I'm almost already getting more food than I can handle. That's I wouldn't so want to go out and eat every evening, right? But uh, but yeah, like a place I went last week, 
last weekend was some uh, you know Michelin one Michelin star Indian restaurant. That's that's funny. They invited me at the brunch. Invited the, a friend of mine. Just took a few pictures. Had a good time. And then uh, and I come back, edit the pictures. Also, if I figured so, I'm re- relatively good at photography. I'm no way an expert, but I think I can make food look pretty good. But also, I figured out some way to actually be very efficient. You know, because in the end, I I know that what I need out of a uh, you know out of, out of a dinner is take one good picture. So I just optimize for that. And then I have a few more that are okay, but they don't need to be like extremely good. And then when I get back home, do some editing. If I want, I fire up my kind of text generation thing that writes uh, the review. So I get a lot of inspiration of like, you know, or let's write thing in, things with, uh, you know, uh, in very fancy ways. And, and then write the review and that's it. So I wonder if there's other uses for this. So for instance, can you offer to restaurants an app that will write reviews on all the review sites and space them out and maybe use a VPN to cloak your IP address and use the GPT-3 thing to um, be constantly coming up with new reviews. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that would definitely be feasible. Yeah, yeah. So, especially writing the reviews. Like, even the model that I have now, which is kind of subpar as it's not, is it GPT-2 and not 3, I can write reasonably good reviews, especially, and I mean, you'd have to have... You, uh, you always need someone to read them over because there's some degree of randomness in what it writes that it could not make it 100 uh, percent like perfect but but that's a good thing right it's as if uh, the model gives you a first draft that you just need to quickly edit so let me let, let's make a list and let me throw ideas at you and it yeah, could be yeah. bad ideas it could be good ideas and let's just see what we come up with this is not focusing on the instagram app but you've already noticed some success so first off you're going to release the low-hanging fruit as much as you can I would suggest that you try to get testimonials because uh, that's a, that's a good way to sell things. Is when it's called social proof when you have testimonials. Oh yeah, and, and actually for this, uh, then I maybe I also have a bunch of questions uh, that that maybe you could help answer. Do you want to do it now? Or do you want to go through the questions first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask me the questions now because it might be related to what we put on the list. Okay. Yeah. So basically, one of the things was this. So uh, getting testimonial is not going to be a big problem, I think, mainly because uh, through the Instagram, I'm already connected with a lot of uh, food Instagrammers that are even like either my size or larger. And I can, you know, I can, it's easy for me to let them try the app and they should, I assume, assuming they like it, testimonial should be uh, fairly reasonably easy to to get there. The testimonials, obviously, you don't want to use their full name yep. because they don't want to use their full name because they don't want Instagram to know they're using this. So you'd have to basically just put the quote as opposed to their name. I suppose, but you know, the I feel the the current version of the app is completely legit. Like uh, there's no uh, way of. Uh, it's not like you're saying, "Oh, it's a bot. I'm tricking the system." It just yeah. lets you write comments quicker, right? I mean, yeah. if someone is a purist, they could say, oh, yeah, you, everything right, you should think it yourself. But, you know, when, when a normal comment is uh, yum, right, uh, what's the difference? Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, that's totally true. And, and actually, it's uh, it would be, uh, I feel, you know, in some ways, much better to get a kind of social proof from someone, oh, this person has uh, uh, 40K followers, uh, and they tell me they use the app. That's uh, entering the food community, so it's much easier for them to, like for other people to to assume it's a good app. And also yeah. kind of uh, in the same way I'm asked to, uh, you know, review restaurants and stuff like that, I can easily go to the, the same people that actually would go to me to give me food and tell them, do you want to try the app? If you like it, can you make a story? Can you make a post? 
right? To, to promote it to other people. Yeah, okay, so tell me other questions. Okay, and then, so one of the things I've been thinking about is that, so now I have this version, which I should have the beta version basically in a couple of days. So this means that you'll be in a state where I can send you a link and you can just install it. So it's not on the App Store, but uh, you can um, give it to people as a beta through Apple. Okay, it's just uh, the way beta testing works in, uh, in the like uh, App Store environment. Yeah. So what I'm going to do now is uh, I have this version. The version is all, uh, it's, you know, it's not perfect, but uh, it's, uh, it gives you a very good understanding of how the app works. So I'll give it to a bunch of uh, people that I know are like writing a lot of comments and I want to get the feedback, right? So, you know, uh, is it good to use? Uh, can they save time? Would they like to use it? But one of the things I, I'm not sure about is some sort of pricing structure to use for it. The beta version, of course, I'm going to give it for free because I just want feedback for people, right? But in the end, I feel I should uh, try to have, uh, um, like to charge something for it. But right. I'm not sure. And I could see kind of two options. One would be to have uh, kind of the way it's, uh, it's made right now, where there would be, uh, uh, let's say, one small database of comments that is kind of free. And uh, th this is so that people could install the app and try it out, right? The thing is that if uh, if the there's not enough comments, it's not going to be very useful, right? You can try it, see how it is, uh, but then you'd have to, oh, if I want to get, uh, you know, uh, comments for uh, 100 foods, you're going to, yeah, you'd have to charge something, right? So a free trial has two dimensions, you're saying. One is time, like you could have a two-week free trial. The other is um, number of food tags that, um, or are accessible to you. So if you want yep. more food tags, that means you can comment on more food posts and your job's easier. So you can you can yes. unlock more food tags and, and so yes. you have a free trial until you do that unlocking. Yeah, that would be the, the kind of uh, current idea. Well, let me ask you a question. Let's say I have a food Instagram account and I want more comments on it. Can I pay you to have my account occasionally appear to the user of the product that um, so they might want to comment on it. Oh wow! Uh, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure if that's possible. I, I wonder if you could actually have, a, a, let's say, an ad in the app, which is a link to their account. Yeah, I mean, it would be good though. In so they're seeing their while they're using your your app, they're seeing their Instagram feed, right? Yep. So I just wonder if you can every now and then stop their feed, but throw up another, uh, a promoted Instagram account and they could comment on that. That, that cannot be done. You, you know why? Simply because uh, I'm not showing the Instagram feed. They're using the Instagram app and to type, they're using my keyboard. I have control over the keyboard. I don't have control over the, what they see. Does that make sense? It's as if uh, when you have uh, when you have the iPhone, right, and you're typing something, you could switch keyboard and like change language, or for example, you can just change to the emoji keyboard, right? right? It's as if uh, you type the button, and instead of switching to the emoji keyboard, you switch to mine. So if if they type hashtag pizza, they 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 see like a bunch of comments, but they have to type that hashtag pizza. Yes if you could take over their screen at some point, like right now you're, you're taking over their keyboard. If at some point in the process, you could also temporarily take over their screen while they're doing this, like every five minutes, take over their screen and show them one promoted Instagram account. 
that might be interesting. I don't know. You know, I now that you bring it up, I think it may be possible in the yeah. sense that uh, I can I can change how much control I have over the screen. The let's say the Instagram app would still be behind, but I could technically add a a link to a post. That's actually a, a, a an interesting thing in the sense that if uh, if the app were to have some uh, you know a bunch of uh, people using it, then it could actually you know be worthwhile for someone to want to have their post there. So so like let's look at some examples. So total uh, a free trial that has a time period like a month or two weeks or whatever. A lot of uh, software as a service programs do that. Like a, like a, I believe Mailchimp does that. A lot of a lot of common software packages do that. Um, yep a free trial that ends when they've um, used it a certain amount or, or they want to have access to more. That's like, like newspapers do that. Oh, you've read three articles. If you want to see all of our articles, you unlock the account and the free trial ends and you have to pay. Yep. Remove ads is like YouTube does this. Mm -hmm. Okay. And promoted accounts is like Google. Google is free. They make money, all their money on promoted search results. So, mm -hmm. and that by the way, and Google's the most successful company on the planet. So it's just something to think about. This is a, actually a very good idea. Yeah, yeah, something I definitely didn't even consider. It it would, to some extent, uh, it could be some other version of uh, the free version, right? That you're making them pay through this, uh, the inconvenience of the ads. But like I, for instance, would pay, mm -hmm. let's say I had a food account. I would pay you to have my food account featured. And, yep, yep. and you know, it could even be like, even more like Google. Let's say you're only doing so many per month. Uh, they could, it could be a, rever a bidding war to, to who, which promoted oh, yeah. accounts get promoted. Also because of the kind of comparison would be promoting accounts on Instagram, you know, you can like promote your posts. Yeah. But, uh, I've, uh, so I've done some testing with that and also talk with people. It's basically useless unless you spend a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I think all of that, I mean, I've tried all of those and nothing, nothing really works. So, so, okay. Um, so I'm going to put a little, I'm going to put on our list for today, uh, this idea of the promoted. Again, none of this is for version 0 0.9 that you're doing now, but it's just to think about. And some of these ideas might be bad, but it's just to, to think about. Uh, oh, so in general, by the way, the question of what to charge, I would not think about that yet. And the reason is it's, e it's very easy to overthink something like that before you start the business, but you really have no idea what usage will be like until yep. you've launched and done it and created the next few versions. What you're really doing is you're creating something that a community of people are going to be helped and are going to love. You're not creating something that generates money for you. You're creating something that is useful. And then later on, you if yeah, yeah. on usage. So so you don't have to waste energy thinking about that. Like yeah, and also, yeah, th this is uh, uh, also specifically the reason why I created this, right? Because I really saw that there was some sort of necessity for it if I wanted to do it myself. Right. And those are always the best businesses because we don't we don't really know what your business is yet. Like Google, they thought they were a search engine. It turns out Google is an advertising agency. You don't really know what your business is until your business starts. And yep, yep. and then you know. So um, you know, when I ran, I, you know, in the 90s, I ran a a web. I, I made websites for big companies, but a lot of companies, I mean, there weren't a lot of companies in the space then. I didn't have that much competition, but I had some competition. And at the end of the day, what business was I in? I was in the business of friendship. People at the different companies wanted to be my friend and that's why they would hire me. So yeah. 
um, you know, it's always an interesting thing. Like when you ask yourself, what's your actual business? All right. So what, what's a, what's your next question? Yeah. And then uh, kind of still in the, this type of uh, free models, uh, the other option that I was thinking is, uh, should I have uh, make the app basically have just kind of two tiers where I have uh, one very good tier that is, uh, um, you know, the free tier, but then have uh, a paid tier, which is uh, more useful, but not necessary in the sense that the, the kind of version I was talking about uh, before for free would be something that would be, it showcases the app, but it's not actually useful, right? Whereas it could also make the basically version of the app that is free, very useful. So having uh, uh, a few hundred foods, I've tested it out, right? So I know that if I have 100 foods, okay, it's going to be good. Maybe 70 to 80% of the posts you, you see, it's going to work for. My, my suggestion is you go all out and it's free. Okay. You go just, okay. just, just kill it uh, and, and do everything you can to get users. Don't even think about people paying it. Like just, just get like a million users, a hundred thousand users, however many users is the audience for this. Mm -hmm. Because again, once you start to charge, you've just capped your business. Like that's you, you, you've just ended kind of the innovation in the business because you have a business model now and it, it business model okay, wraps yeah. itself around the business. So right now I would just go all out getting audience and users and you're going to figure out more uses. You're going to figure out new things, but you're only going to be able to do that if you have as many users as possible. So right now I, I would, if, if you were thinking of two tiers, the most valuable tier should be the only tier. Okay. And just for free. Okay. And then like a month later, maybe two months later, it's, it's not going to be that hard to switch on payment, but, mm -hmm. uh, you want to, you want to accumulate reviews in the Instagrams in the Apple store. You, there's so many reasons yeah. why you want to just kill it free mm -hmm. for the first month or two. Okay. Now, does that present a problem for you? Like, were you, were you like, oh my gosh, I need to pay my rent next month and I was going to charge for it this month? No, no, not even a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So then I would just go all out, make the best product you can, give it away for free. Because again, we don't know what business you're in yet. We think we know, but we don't mm -hmm. really know until we do it. And most entrepreneurs miss that opportunity. So like Airbnb, if you had a free room in your house, you could Airbnb it and people would use it. That was their original model. And it's similar to the model they have now. But after a few years, they realized they were much more in the hospitality business than they thought. So they hired a guy from the hotel business who basically made it much more like a hotel experience when you Airbnb. But they had to have like millions of users for them to know that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what else were you thinking about? Yeah, for this, I'm pretty much at uh, uh, the stage, right? So I'm uh, trying to get things to be to the, the app to get completed, which I'm, you know, as close as I can be because hopefully it's going to be accepted in the next couple of days. And then, yeah, sending it out to a lot of, to a bunch of uh, uh, people that I know that actually would normally use it, get their feedback, improve the app. And once it's improved, then actually do the proper release. Let me ask you some more questions. So can yep. I customize my experience? So you, you have a couple hundred foods and comments. What if I have a sports Instagram page and I want to um, customize your app so that it you know, responds to sports tags? So I could type in hashtag baseball and it gives me a bunch of comments about 
baseball or whatever? That would be a next version, right? Okay. And my, my sort of uh, idea for the app is that the very first version that I'm doing right now is food-related simply because uh, that's kind of the position I found myself in and I wanted to solve the problem, right? But right. in the same way, I do realize that you know, it works for food, it's going to work for any other niche, right? Could be sports, could be, you know, gym, could be motivation, could be finance. But so basically, at that crypto, point, yeah, all the, the steps I would have to take are kind of recreating these databases, right? And instead of having just databases for food, I would have, oh, databases, one for food, one for sports, one for, you know, crypto, and, uh, and then different type of users could have it. I was also thinking, should I have it as a, a single app with a lot of different use cases or many apps with uh, single use cases? Because I could have the, the food version of the app and there could be the fitness version of the app. Right. Uh, and that's a great question. I actually wrote down that question right here. So oh, okay. what I would do first is make different apps. So here's the food app. Here's the sports app. Here's the finance app and roll out different apps. Um, and then... Finally, I would do the customizable app and that one might be a significant charge or not. We'll see. Okay. But um, mm -hmm. at first I would do it as separate apps and then you could see the interest that's generated for each category. And then you could, yep. again, depending on usage and, and how people are using this and, and you'll collect a lot of data from the analytics, you'll decide whether you want to have people customize it or, or just create more apps based on you know feedback and stuff like that. And then, of course, you want to make the automated version. See if you could kind of simulate where how the cursor moves on the screen, mm -hmm. uh, and make make it human like for the automated app. With the iPhone, could an app run in the background? I don't know. Okay, so so in the worst case, the automated version could be like when I'm sleeping at night, it's just running the whole night. Yeah, I think it would already have to be a. Um like a computer version, not a phone version. Got it, got it. Yeah, like a Chrome yeah. extension or something. Yeah, because uh, especially Apple, they're trying to, you know, clamp down on everyone using resources that they couldn't and can't and stuff like that. So I think it may be complicated. By the way, on the desktop, you have a lot more control over the cursor with, with coding than on the phone. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so, so you'll, you'll definitely be able to do an automated version. If, if the bot recognition now relies on how the cursor moves, which is a fascinating insight from, from that you discussed last week, then uh, I think a desktop version, you could certainly automate it by, uh, and, and you could test it out to see if it stops the, the bot catchers. Uh, I, I bet you that's not, I bet you that code is not that complicated if you're already at your level of coding. Yeah, I can definitely look into it. It would be really interesting if you have an AI version, which is, it takes your menu of comments, but uses them as prompts to make new comments. This way it guarantees that it's new comments every time. And not only that, comments that other people might want to interact with. I bet you will get more friends using, you know, the GPT-3 version. So just to describe for anyone listening, GPT-3, is this AI slash text database that at, let's say it has, I don't know what, how much text it has, but let's say it has all of Wikipedia. And then you ask, you throw in a prompt like, you know, dear Sally, I love you. And it fills out the rest of your letter to Sally. And uh, that, that's, you know, one use case, but you can make uh, the AI version where the comments are really fleshed out 
and unique using something like GPT-3 or some other AI. And I bet you people will get more friends per hour using that on the automated version or even on the low-hanging fruit version, even on the human version. Yeah, yeah, the, this makes sense, yeah. Uh, how, I wonder um, how, how complicated it would be to actually uh, query the model in real time because I know it takes some time to uh, even to the like train model when you to do the completion, right? So if it it may take uh, in the order of seconds. So uh, I'm thinking how that would affect the uh, real time use. If it's real time, if it's not real time, it would be less of an issue. Uh, the other issue would be how computational and resource expensive uh, uh, is it to actually keep running it. But yeah, and maybe you don't need GPT three. Maybe you need some other weaker version because you're you're yeah, in a very yeah. domain. So, um, but That's I, true. but my theory is, is that whether it's the automated version or the human, your issue with the human version is that it might be too slow. I agree, but let's say it's not just hypothetically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, my theory is that for either version, people will get more followers per hour than, um, when it's just the basic comment. I know for myself, when I engage on other people's Instagram pages, when I have a really well thought out comment that's that's greater than a paragraph i get more followers as a result yeah i i would i, I would at the same i mean I, I agree right and it makes sense i would say that your use case is very uh like you know abnormal right because you're a well-known person you know you people are going to want to listen to you most people don't want to listen to a random person, however good their comment is, which right. no, I understand that the better it is, the better, but maybe it could be, I, in my mind, your use case could be a little bit different from a random person. Does that make sense? Yes, that could be, although the goal of your audience is to be well-known in the food space. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they're going to become well-known the better your app is. If they get 100,000 followers, they're going to be well-known, particularly if they're commenting on the same accounts a lot. So they'll be regulars yeah. on these accounts. So I wouldn't discount, like in the, every niche has its famous personalities and you're mm -hmm. basically going to create the famous personalities. So don't underestimate how good your app is going to be towards creating you know, personalities out there in their specific sub-niches. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good point it might be interesting for your software to recommend accounts to follow. So if somebody is like looking for all the London food Instagram pages, maybe your software could find new ones that are moving fast. So they're getting popular. People might get tired of commenting on the same ones over and over, and they don't know which ones are the new hot ones that are coming. You could kind of spot the upwardly trending London food Instagrammers quicker than anybody else and kind of get in first position in the commenting, so you, as their audience grows, they always see you. You know, they always see the user. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the, it would be like kind of a very, very like very different problem, but it's uh, it definitely something that could be uh, f feasible. The other thing is with the automated version, what might be interesting is you know if you can create software that evades the bot detectors that software by itself is useful. So just keeping that in mind, people might be interested in just that software for their own purposes. In fact, that might be the real business. And the other things are, you know, use cases that you show to demonstrate the evade bot detection software that you have, the real business.
Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I I lived in over a hundred or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And I loved it. I love, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and having my own Airbnb or or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still, to this day, get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything 
than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I'm definitely going to use HIMSS from now Not on. Not that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash James. Could you imagine that? There's a whole section just with my name on it, hymns.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's hims.com slash James for your personalized treatment options, hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. You know, an interesting use case. Okay, the more professional the user is, the more they need followers and the more they need serious followers. So for instance, if I'm a food blogger or a food Instagrammer and I'm just posting about food, okay, there's no real profession. I mean, there is a profession of photographing food, but it's not that professional. But if I'm a dentist and, yep. uh, or, or let's say I'm a real estate agent, I really want followers because it's important for, it'll actually make me serious money for my business. And so you might also want to think of, and this is related again to the pay or not pay, some special versions of the app might be ones that you uh, later on require people to pay, whereas other ones are free. So a real estate person posts about houses so they could comment on other real estate agents' Instagram accounts and say, oh, you know, that's a nice house. Check out this uh, 1,500 square foot studio I just posted that's, you know, super cheap and that's could be a generated comment and they could get followers that way. So, so professionals who use this to generate high revenue customers, they would pay maybe a thousand bucks a month to use this. Yep. Yep. I understand. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so let's call it that like uh, professional users versus uh, influencers. Yep. And also, yeah, the other kind of uh, application that I thought of uh, similar to what you're saying, but, so I'm sure that um, you know real estate agents would uh, spend a lot of time uh, um, writing the same text over again, like "Oh, this uh, listing is here. Let's meet at five. Let's meet at eight. Uh, maybe having even some sort of uh, could be a negotiation script or something like that. So having that all saved in the database, so that uh, basically you just uh, click." you know, oh, this is how I start the conversation, like the negotiation. This is how I start the, the conversation when I want to sell uh, something. So yeah. that someone that clicks a button and so then everything is typed in and they send the message. 
And then you could even have, oh, the person came in low with the offer, uh, with the response, what is the right thing to, to answer? You can say, oh, you have the button that says low offer, you click that, you get the um, the response, and then you need to maybe change the the uh, how much the house costs or something like that. Kind of automating this kind of uh, uh, repetitive tasks that people need to do. That's great. And like, depending on who they're following, so who shows up in their feed, like let's say other real, let's say they're following other real estate agents, they might be more likely then to get referrals if these other real estate agents start following them. And referrals is a good way to, again, they, they can make a million, an extra million dollars a year using your software. So they're going to pay a thousand dollars a month or perhaps more. Uh, and I'm, we're just thinking of one category, but there's like hundreds of categories like that. Uh, you know, it, real professional users versus somebody who wants to be like a food influencer. Yeah. So, um, and then, and then we always get to what are other uses of the AI that's completely different. Like, I would pay you to create different AI things for me. Like, I, I still want, I, I want to take GPT two or GPT three, throw in, choose yourself, and skip the line, and then I want to interview me on my podcast. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, if I manage to get actual the the access now, uh, I think it would be something I can uh, set up. When you showed me the G, um, the the examples with skip the line, uh, they were very good. Were you were you using GPT two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was GPT two trained on uh, skip the line, and also I feel you know I it was not particularly well optimized. I think it could have done a better job, but it was just a test. So, so, so your theory is GPT three. Let's say it's an order of magnitude better. What, what is? How does it actually work? Let's let's explain how it works. So, it, what, what, what is the original text that it's trained on? Oh, you know, uh, I'm not sure. Okay, let me. I'm gonna Google that because I want to like, know. I think I've uh, I've looked at it at some pointers. There's actually a bunch of uh, other method uh, like models as well that are uh, similar. I think one is called GPT Neo, which is meant to be some sort of open source version which is uh, uh, like smaller because it has uh, less parameters to, uh, to, to tune it, but it's trained on uh, more uh, kind of recent text. And GPT-3, supposedly it's trained of slightly older text, but, but I'm not sure. And then I have to say the, the yeah, yeah, maybe you can check it. The versions you sent me, you had put in skip the line and then you, you created some writing prompts and it generated responses that sounded like my writing. But that is because I, yeah, I trained it on your book, right? So that's why it knew how to uh, emulate you. Right. So I wonder what's the original text it's trained on because it has a lot of knowledge too. Yeah. Like it started. Yeah, saying, yeah. There's a big data set. Uh, let me let me check it. Um, see, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for GPT three, and it says Common Crawl, CommonCrawl.org. Okay, so basically, it's years and years of just web pages that it's trained on. Yeah, I Seven. think it should be something of that sort. So like billions of web pages, seven years of web pages that is trained on. That's great. So it's good to know that. Okay, so we'll get you GPT-3 access. And then with the API from that, let's create a version of me using some of my books. And I want to interview it on the podcast. And then I think that's potentially a, either a service that, that you could do for people, which is creating um, specific experts that could be interviewed or yeah. custom-made AI avatars. I still think that's a really interesting idea for you. 
And you know, if I now I get access to the model, I'll actually look at how it works to train it uh, properly. But I think I, I could do that. Yeah, I think that would be feasible to get some sort of interview of you with yourself. Maybe other podcasters want that, or maybe like we talked about before, maybe I want to feed in Napoleon so I could interview Napoleon on my podcast. I think that would be fascinating. And then who knows, there might be other uses for it as well. Maybe we could feed in a book about negotiation, for instance, and it'd be interesting to see what happens practicing negotiating skills with a version that you create that's been fed all these books on negotiation. And then, then you can license that out. Yeah, yeah. What other things have you been working on? I'd say mainly this. I've actually looked into a little bit on the specs you sent for the website. So almost every single day, this is no exaggeration. I get a message from one or more people, and this is for the past 10 years. Hey, you should make a website where you could keep track of your idealists. So as many of the listeners know, I like to write 10 ideas a day and I don't usually keep track of them uh, because it's more like exercising a muscle and I want to be as creative as possible. So it's like I'm exercising my creativity muscle. But then a lot of people are asking for this. So I know there's a need for it. But also I started thinking, what if I want to follow other people's idealists or what if, let's say someone makes an idea list that I like, I could build on their idea list and, and make an idea sex list where I combine their ideas with something else. So you could see all these idea lists that are linked together, or you could follow different idea lists. You could have comments and message boards and questions for different idea lists. If I ran an idea list about, oh, here's ideas for Google and someone else did, then I would get notified, oh, we're using the same tags for your idea list that these other people are using. You might want to take a look at their idea list. Maybe something can happen there. And so I think this is an interesting idea. And, and, and that's just the basic description. I, I sent Paulo a few weeks ago uh, a much more detailed spec of how this works, but it's an interesting kind of uh, social network, sort of like Quora, which is the Q&A site, but a little bit more social networking aspect than Quora especially the part where you kind of uh, recommend people, uh, you know, each other, depending on how similar their ideas are. Right. And also there's a, there's a viral aspect in that, let's say I create an idea list for you and I want you to see it. Well, I could share my idea list with you, but the only way you can see it is if you sign up for the site, which is free. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so there, there's a viral aspect too that, oh, I want, I want these 20 people. I want everybody, I have ideas of what we should do for Christmas in my family. So I send the idea list to everybody in my family, but they all have to sign up now for the site. And then in my specs to you, I describe what each page looks like, but I also describe what each data object looks like. So here's what an idea list is. Here's what a specific idea is. Here's what a user is and so on. We haven't spoken since I sent you that list. So what did you think? And again, I have good ideas. I have bad ideas. I don't take anything personally, but I know you have programming skills. No, no, I I think this overall is uh, is great. Very, very interesting. I actually started kind of, uh, you know, uh, studying a little bit on how to build uh, websites in, in, in Python. So I think I could uh, even, you know, start uh, trying to make something. It would take a little bit because I'm, uh, you know, I'm... Uh, I've never really built website with Python, right? But but it seems I've uh, went through a bunch of courses now, and it seems to be within the the, the scope of what I can do, and it it seems uh, somewhat feasible. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there, I guess there's two aspects of the programming. There's the database aspect of how yep. do you, you keeping track of each user. So a user is basically a set of idea lists and a set of comments that they've made, and you know maybe uh, and a set of ideas and, and so on. 
And an idealist is a list of ideas. An idea is uh, some multimedia or text, and uh, it might have comments or a message board attached to it. So that's like the database. And then there's pages, like here's the home page if you're signed in. Here's the home page if you're not signed in. Here's what a user page looks like. Here's what it looks like when someone else views a user, your user page. Here's what an idealist page looks like. Here's what a uh, message board page looks like. So that's kind of the making website aspect. And of course, a professional designer would do the designs, but the programmer has to kind of create the, the, the pages out of the database. And, and my guess is that's probably not that hard to do. Python sort of made for that. Yeah, so I've looked into it. There's uh, there's kind of uh, ways to build the like website backend that would take into account all the database structure. Yeah, so no no pressure. But if you want to work on this and work on this together, uh, then let's do it. And I think most businesses have basically a technical developer and kind of like the business lead in the business. And both sides get a significant percentage of the business. And so we'll work that out. But if this is something you're interested in, let's do this business together and, and it'll, I, I think it'll be successful or at least it'll be fun because I'll use it. Oh yeah, 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 the, definitely. And uh, I, you know, I'd be happy to start uh, looking into it. Also for me, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I managed to, I should be able to do everything in Python. So I learned that. So that's uh, <laughs> also good for me. Sounds, uh, yeah, yeah. And also the overall idea, I think it could go well, especially because it's got, you know, all of your kind of cloud behind, right? And people are going to want to like really, uh, I do feel how uh, like the 10 ideas a day is, uh, you know, has become something that people are really excited about, right? So, I mean, it's amazing how many messages I get, even on social media or just to my email. Like, people are assuming I've already done it. Like, please tell me where you store your idea list. I'd love to use that software. So, uh, it's something that people are interested in. And maybe, you know, just to kind of play around, a version one is just everybody could just keep track of their own idea lists and there isn't the social networking aspect yet. So maybe that's kind mm -hmm. of a version 0 0.8 and then 0 0.9 has the basic social networking and then version 1.0 has, you know, getting notified. Here's accounts that you might be interested in. Here's idea lists I want to share and, 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 and the whole sharing mechanism. And maybe there's message boards and comments and that could be the full, the full blown version. But, a lot of people just simply want to keep track of their idea lists and be able to search mm -hmm. them as well. Like, oh, I know I once made an idea for flying cars, uh, but I mm -hmm. can't find it now. So, uh, you know, just making it searchable is also interesting. And then, and then you can make settings like public or private. So every idea list is, yep. you know, some idea lists might be private, some are public. I know a lot of your bandwidth is being taken up by the Instagram thing, but I do think that it's important to not work on just one thing at a time. It's good to work on many things at the same time, particularly at the stage when nothing is generating money yet. Uh, it's good to, uh, and you're not being you're not being paid to do the Instagram thing, for instance. You want to plant many seeds because there's the 80-20 rule. You plant lots of seeds, but 20% of the seeds you plant create 80% of the flowers that bloom. So you have to try more than one business idea in order to find businesses that bloom. Everything in life has the 80-20 rule, including the number of businesses you start and the number of businesses that succeed. So it's good to have your irons in, in more than one fire. I'm mixing a lot of metaphors. But let's maybe next time we could talk about uh, a real schedule for that and how you want to move forward with that. And, and that would be fun. 
I think that for this, I can uh, definitely start, uh, you know, looking a little bit more into the technical side and see if I can code up uh, some simple first steps. All right, great. So let's talk in a week or so. But, and Jay, who's listening to this, he's on, uh, he's always silent on these. But Jay, do you think we can um, introduce Paulo to the person with the GPT-3 access so that he could start playing around with their API? Because I really want also to try this, making an AI avatar that I can interview on my podcast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I already sent uh, Paolo the the Facebook request. So, you know, once he accepted it, I can introduce them in the group. So like, and then they can just talk with each other. That's going to be interesting because I always want to interview, you know, uh, Kankis Kant, how, you know, how he conquered the world. (laughs) You know, and um, let me ask you a question, Paolo. Like you, you, last time, you mentioned, uh, you know, and you showed us. You gave a demonstration, which we have a video of, and we put the video up. Uh, you you demonstrated that, or you said you were the the Italian Rubik's Cube champion one year, and you or no, you 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 broke the record in Italy for the fastest solving a Rubik's cube. Rubik's cube, I think you said it took you twelve seconds one time, and yep. you showed us uh, an example. Have you ever had uh, ideas to make puzzles? Oh, like create puzzles? Yeah. Oh, uh, no, <laughs> never thought about it. Uh, you know, because you're obviously interested in in puzzles and solving things and so on. I wonder if there's some outgrowth there, or maybe that's an idealist you could create, even if it's just filled with bad ideas, like what mm-hmm. puzzles you would you would want to create. You know, there's already the four by four Rubik's Cube. There's lots of different versions of the Rubik's Cube, but I wonder if there's some other yeah. interesting thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe. I definitely never thought about it. Yeah, yeah. At, at the time, I was really into just, I said, okay, let's do a Rubik's Cube, all versions of the Rubik's Cube. And then what I really got into was uh, the blindfolded one. The blindfolded, I was really into it, simply because I, I was really interested into the memorization part. You know you know what I'm interested in? I, I've been thinking a lot about memory lately, actually. And I feel like at my age, like over the age of 50, my memory has gone straight down, like literally I used to have practically a photographic memory when I was younger, when I was in my late teens, early 20s. And now I, could, I don't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning. And so I, I wonder, it might be an interesting thing to just make a list of, well, well, actually, can you tell me what are some of the idea techniques you used when you, obviously you had to remember a lot when you do a blindfold Rubik's Cube. Do you mean memory techniques? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can explain you that very well because uh, I, I spent a lot of time into it. Tell okay. me. To the to the extent that uh, I was almost thinking of going to like competitions, they they used to have competitions for that as well. But uh, at the time, they there were none that were close to where I lived, so I kind of said, okay, let's uh, okay, I cannot do it. Also because I was fairly young and I, had, I would have to travel abroad and whatever. And so the idea is this: memorization for for example, doing the Rubik's cube blindfolded. But think of any sort of uh, like big kind of uh, memorization trick. You know, I wouldn't say they're tricks, but they're specific techniques that you practice at a long time and get good at. I mean, I suppose some people are, you know, gifted with great memory, but none of the people that do these things use just their pure memory. It's all methods where you train a lot and, uh, and you learn stuff. Okay, so for example, one of the standard things to memorize in competitions are the order of a deck of cards. Okay, so you have a shuffle deck of cards, 52 cards, you need to remember which order they're in. 
Okay. I think that when I was kind of really into it, I could do it in two minutes. Wow. So, so how would you do it? So th this is the thing, right? Uh, the, the whole idea behind it is to convert abstract information into something that is very vivid and an image. Okay. So, uh, for example, for me, uh, I would have for every card a, a very clear image, right? And then I would combine all the images together and create a story. And you must have heard of this kind of palace technique or whatever, right. where that's exactly that, where people just conjure up in their mind very vivid images, put them in locations, and then you go through the location and remember what was there. So like, for instance, let's say the first three cards are the Jack of Spades, the Nine of Diamonds, the Three of Hearts. What, what would you do? Yeah, so the, um, the, the example was, was this. So actually, the technique is slightly more complicated because uh, the method I would use is, uh, it, was, it had some specific name, but I think the idea was that it was a person-action-object method. Okay, so for every card, okay, so 52, I would have uh, one person associated with it, an action associated with it, and an object associated with it. Okay, so for example, um, I don't know, um, nine of clubs uh, could be, you know, my mother. Okay, and then uh, I, I would have uh, another card, and that could be uh, the Pope. Okay, my God, now I'm really coming off as Italian, but. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to be embarrassed of. And then let's say I would have another, the third card would be Michael Jackson. Okay. So now those would be three people that I've associated with the cards. Okay. At the same time, I would also have other associations. For each one, there would be uh, an action. So the action could be, one could be, you know, to cook, one could be to fish, and one could be to, um, I don't know, um, drink. Okay, and then for each one of those, I would have an object as well. So let's say I would have a, a cup, a computer screen, and a banana. Okay, so if I combine three of the cards and I take the person for the first, the action for the second, the object for the third, the image that I would have in my mind is my mom is cleaning a computer screen. Ah, right? I got it. And you see, this is a very clear image that actually encodes three cards in a specific order. So, so that's interesting. So, and then you would basically, you might not have a story that has all 52 cards, but maybe you have five stories that has 10, that have 10 cards each. Yeah. So what I would do is then I would have a, a set of locations. Okay, that could be, let's say, all the rooms in my house. Okay, and then I would imagine this first image that I said, my mom cleaning a computer screen, that, that would be right outside the main door of my house. Okay, so now when I'm trying to recall, I would think, oh, I'm in front of my house, what's there? There's my mom cleaning a screen. So that would say, oh, uh, ace of spades, jack of clubs, and whatever, right? And I would go through all of the rooms. In each of the rooms, I would have a, 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 an image. And just by doing that, I could uh, uh, basically recall the old order. So for, um, um, for 52 cards, there would be, uh, what, 17 uh, uh, 
rooms, right? Or 17 places and 17 images, which actually is so much easier than thinking in the random order of cards. Yeah, no, that's great. But let me ask you a question. Like, that's really good for memorizing a list of numbers, memorizing uh, uh, 52 deck of cards. Let's say you're a lawyer and you're trying to remember all the legal precedents, or let's say you're okay, trying- but, you know, that, that's the thing. Sorry, maybe uh, finish. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. But no, that is actually something that I give in a lot of thought, right? And the conclusion I've come to is this, that these tricks are brilliant. The way you can be so efficient at it is that these tricks are razor focused at one task. They're not right. general purpose ta uh, techniques. You know, there's these, uh, what I've just mentioned, is extremely good to memorize cards and to memorize digits, right? At some point with this, I decided to memorize 1,000 digits of pi. Hmm. You know, what's the use of that? Just, oh, to doing it for the sake of it, right? But it's like useless in itself. So you could think, I tried at some point when I was, I don't know, studying history to use this kind of sort of same techniques to memorize whatever happened in history. And it was okay. The problem is this, right? That you need a location to store the information. And uh, basically the problem is that if you want to use the same location twice, you have to overwrite it. And once you overwrite, you forget what was before. So at least I'm not saying it's impossible. I've never really found very good ways to translate these tricks to real world learning. Apart from one thing, for learning languages, there are methods which are very good. Like what? Basically, a, some sort of extension of this uh, technique. So th there's a, a way to learn languages that I've actually used a lot and, and it was useful. And the idea is still to kind of convert um, words into images, okay? But you can do that where your the location, instead of being your house, you select a whole city that you're familiar with, okay? Mm -hmm. So imagine a big city. You're familiar with it, so you and you know about it. You know, you can think that basically all the objects you could possibly need are somewhere there, right? Of the words you may want to learn. All the actions are there. So th the way it works would be this. I would take a word that uh, are in some language and I want to learn it. So I would have a city that I associate that language with. Okay. And then I would think, let's say it's the word for, uh, uh, you know, chair in Italian. Uh, chair in Italian is sedia. Okay. So I would think, maybe I think of the town I used to live in Italy. Okay, and I think where would I imagine a chair would be? Oh, it's a chair I used to sit on in the kitchen where I would eat with my parents, right? So I would have immediately associated uh, the, the object, right? The, the image of the chair would be there. So the next step is to take the translation, so let's say sedia in this case, and think of an English word that sounds fairly similar, mm. right? So that I, it, it gives me some sort of hook that I think of that and I associate it with the Italian version. So I don't know, what could you think that sounds in English similar to sedia? You know, when you said it, actually, the first thing I thought of was stadium for some reason. Oh, you see? Okay, so you see, you could imagine that, right? Imagine that, it, this is even better because stadium is something so large, you could imagine it in your head that on this chair, right on top, there's a stadium. Yeah, or a stadium has lots of stedjas. <laughs> Oh yeah, that, that's that's true as well, right? But but the thing is that the hook needs to be the 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 actual object that you want to learn because uh, I always know where I'll find the chair, but I don't know where I'll find the stadium. 
right? Because when I'm learning it, I want something that translates to um, uh, chair. So I would think, okay, the chair is in my kitchen right next to the table. And on top of the chair, there's a stadium. Okay. So now if I were trying to recall uh, the word for uh, chair in Italian, I would go through all of this and I would think, oh, stadium, stadium is similar to sedia and that's sedia. So how would you remember that uh, the, the, the stadium is the word you're associated with the chair? You know, that you'd have to um, build an image in your head of the stadium being on top of the chair. I see, I see. So you want to recall chair, you know where the chair is because it's just the, the starting point, and then you imagine there the, the stadium being on top of the chair. Is and that, that is enough to give you the trigger for sedia. Even if there's a bit different, I, I, this is actually that I went through so many times. They're different, but once you've made the association yourself, it actually comes easy to you because it's uh, just the first thing you thought about. Right, so you put, you put like a little extra almost love into into the, this connection like it, it's like yep. it's it's it be, the connection becomes meaningful as opposed to just memorizing a set of letters yes like 100 percent. and that's the thing right yeah the the, the kind of counter argument to this is that oh do i need to go through everything to through all of the story each time i need to say the word and you know yes but it's gonna be just the first few times right the first few times you have to do it and then you'll just learn the word in itself but uh, just using this trick, like I remember I could be like extremely efficient. I could learn uh, maybe a hundred words in like 10 minutes. Yeah, it's interesting. And right, you so you start doing that uh, a little bit. What's 10 or, you know, so in, in a day it would be easier to learn a few, like a thousand words. That would be overkill, right? Because you do it over days. But when you learn a thousand um, words in a language, you already can understand a little bit of the basics. Right, like that. That's true. Basically, if you learn between one and two thousand words, you probably can go to a country and ungrammatically they'll understand you. Yeah, yeah you, you could uh, understand. Yeah, the basic language, right? The kind of eighty twenty, probably the kind of uh, what you said, what you had in the book, uh, ninety nine one. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yes, that's um, exactly that. What um, do you think? Do you think memory does get decrease as you get older? I don't know. I, that seems to be the common knowledge. I feel I'm pretty much the same at the moment, but uh, I'm also fairly young, so I don't know. But uh, but of course, you know, um, um, it would make sense. Right? How, but I would tell you, if you started practicing these tricks, you could easily do it. Like anyone can do it. It's just a matter of practice, putting in the time. It's interesting. Like my specific domain that I'm interested in is I could still remember chess games that I played or studied when I was 18 years old. But mm. now if I study a game yesterday, I have a harder time remembering it the next day. Mm. So these are, this is more domain. This is a different kind of domain than a list of, of something. It's more yep. like I'm supposed to learn. There's positions that I want to learn from. Although I'm actually fairly sure there must be people that I've thought of uh, like, because you could think of uh, learning a chess game as learning the you know the the, the moves right the the name of the moves right you know you can convert that into some sort of string i'm sure that there must be people that have thought of ways to memorize those so that yeah. you could learn uh, you know oh the first 20 moves of a bunch of um, you know um, you know how to start games or to finish them in a certain you could have even oh i have uh, uh, let's say 
10 final positions that I want to learn and you could have a location for each of them. And in each of them, you put a lot of kind of different stories depending on the moves that you need to do. For different strategies. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. Like, so each game has certain characteristics. Like maybe the king is castled, or maybe they won by checkmate as opposed to winning by losing on time or whatever. And so maybe I can combine some aspects of the memory palace or or city idea with what strategies were used in the game, and that could help me. And knowing which strategies used in the game inform me what moves were probably used, and so then I could yes. kind of piece it together. In, in the end, in the end, this is a problem of kind of encoding the, the, the chess information in a way that you can remember. And I kind of, I kind of feel that it, it must have been done before. I yeah. would bet that if you kind of look up uh, memory techniques to, uh, to, to remember chess games, People have done that. I, I wonder if they would even do it, uh, you know, competitively. I mean, I, chess I guess the, people I, don't need it, but. I guess the surprising thing for me is that it used to be easy and now it's mm -hmm. difficult. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, there, there, there's, there was a test done where they took, let's say grandmasters and masters and amateurs and had mm -hmm. them, you would look at a chess board for 60 seconds and then you'd have to reconstruct it. And yeah. the amateurs were, were random. The masters could construct, let's say, 60% of the board, and the grandmasters could construct like 90% of the board. And uh, but then if you put the pieces in random uh order on the board, they're everybody's equal. So the grandmasters yeah. would say to them, they were they were sort of it's called chunks. The grandmaster would say, Oh, uh, the rook's on an open file, or the king's castled, or there's there's yeah. opposite colored bishops on this board. And so they would memorize kind of uh, instead of memorizing what pieces are on all 64 squares, they would just memorize themes that are occurring in this position. Yeah, which kind of uh, goes to confirm that, you know, they're not really learning, memorizing everything. They have a way, basically a very good way in their mind to compress the information. Yeah. Right? Because information, it's all the same, right? It's actually, you know, what is it? You have 64 squares and then uh, each one can either have, uh, you know, be empty or have one of the pieces, right? So that's all the possibilities. They're not going to remember that because that's uh, impossible, right, to do that. No, it's not impossible. It's going to be possible. We're going to show those tricks. But, uh, but yeah, I suppose that a grandmaster has, uh, you know, a way to, to take this information, compress it into, you know, 10 concepts and remember the 10 concepts. Yeah, like they said, they basically figured out that, you know, I, I don't know how they came with these numbers, but a, a grandmaster is aware of 100,000 chunks. A master mm -hmm. might be aware of 10,000 chunks and an amateur is not aware of any chunks at all. So yep. a, a grandmaster could kind of chunk a position and every position might have four or five chunks. So that's why it's easier mm -hmm. for the grandmaster to kind of pull those chunks from his memory and yep. reconstruct it. It's interesting. Do you still remember, uh, let's say, the first 50 digits of pi? No, no. How many, because, you, uh, how many do you think uh, you can remember? Uh, maybe, strangely enough, I've rem I memorized it in Italian, so it comes off in, in Italian so much easier, which is 314, So, you know, I said, I think I said 12 in Italian, but strangely, it doesn't come off in English. That's you so even see it's, it's it's just the way uh, things are remembered. It's actually the same thing with the Rubik's cube. So if you gave me a Rubik's cube and told me to solve it extremely slowly, I'm not able to do it. I need to do it fast. 
Right. This is what uh, Daniel Kahneman calls uh, the difference between, I, I think, he, I forget the exact words he used, but the difference between fast thinking and slow thinking. So slow thinking actually messes you up because it's removing you from the part of your brain that uses instincts to the part of the brain that actually has to reason. And then you're messed up. Oh yeah, like 100%. Like when I do it with, uh, for example, I can do it with one hand, right? But I'm so much slower, not only because I'm using one hand, but because uh, I literally cannot remember what moves to do with one hand because I can only do them with two. Ah, that's so funny. It's crazy because if you give me the same position with two hands, I can do it immediately. If you give it with one hand, uh, I don't consciously know what, what moves I need to do. That's that's really funny. My two hands do it, but with one hand, I have to do like some super super slow version that I uh, that I know, but it's, it's just super slow. But it's different, right? So you've like chunked the the different ways two hands move yep. when solving Rubik's cube, but not one hand. That's, not that, one hand. It's fascinating. Or, stuff. or even if I were to tell you which moves to do, I wouldn't be able to. Like I could tell you how to solve it, but not in the same way I do it. Because in the same way I do it, I couldn't tell you the movements. Only my fingers know the movements. So interesting. All right, so Paolo, let's uh, let's talk again in a week. I'm very excited to uh, A, try out your your app once it's once it's available. B, get the GPT-3 version of, of me so I can interview me on a podcast. And yep. C, maybe most importantly for me, I really want to start this um, idealist social network. So let's talk next week and Jay will help us schedule. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I'll be working on all of this. I think hopefully in a couple of days, I can send you a version of the a beta version of the app and you can try it out. Excellent. All right. Thanks a lot, Paulo. And okay. I will talk to you next week. Perfect. Have a good day. Thank you. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduce speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.